0: Talking with
1: you. The student's point of view.
0: We are here to talk.
1: We are here to ask.
0: We are here to learn. Welcome to our new episode of Talking with EU, the podcast where the student's point of view matters. This show wants to provide the students an open and safe space to discuss the topics that we deal with as students, but also, in a broader sense, the ones that concern us the most as young individuals and that we are passionate about. Hello everyone, my name is Silvia.
1: And my name is Felix and we will be your hosts for today. In this episode, we will talk about the EU agricultural policy and particularly the farmers protest all over the EU, a topic that came up again from time to time, in particularly with the crisis of the last years, which affected farmers all over the across the EU, it has gained new relevance. And why is there such a big relevance? Because farmers and the agricultural industry are part of our frontline workers who secure our food supply.
0: I agree. That's a role which should not be underestimated. And that is why it is also so interesting and important to talk about this topic. But before we delve fully in today's episode, as always, let me first introduce our two guests of today. Filippo Segato, member of Eyes of Europe and European Studies master Student.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: And Luca Chauvin, master Student in Philosophy at the UC Louvain. Hello again, and thank you for coming today.
1: Also from my side, a big welcome. Today's topic, as already mentioned, is in that regard interesting that the topic got basically brought to Brussels. Then at end of January, farmers from all corners of Europe made their way with their tractors to the EU capital, blocking the streets, demonstrating in the courtyards of the European institutions, and literally shaking up the EU bubble. Big parts of Brussels were paralyzed for two days, but the protests were not only in Brussels, but all across Europe, from Greece to Spain and from Berlin to on show. And even though the EU agricultural policy is one of the oldest and very successful common policies of the EU, I would argue, it has never been spared of criticism.
0: Looking back at the recent weeks, even though we saw this eruption of farmers' anger in different capitals all across Europe, it may be still important to remind our listeners that Dutch farmers have already been protesting before, marking maybe this inflection point where farmers' anger turned into actual demonstrations, among others leading to big electoral successes for a farmers' party in Netherlands, gaining first place in regional elections from the scratch. In fact, the common agricultural policy has been heavily criticised before by farmers since its reform in the early 90s that ended the system of price controlling measures and tariffs on important food and started inducing direct payments, production quotas, green conditionalities. Since we've seen farmers express their contempt on multiple occasions, like for instance in France, they producers spilling their milk on the ground to protest CAP-imposed milk quotas in 2009. Coming back, when reading the press articles and seeing videos from the protesters, it feels like frustration with the EU agricultural policy has built up over years among farmers. So let's start with the first question. Why do you think farmers are heading to the street and why are they so angry?
2: Well, the reason differentiates by country to country. We can start with Germany, where everything started and agriculture people are just protesting mainly for elimination of fiscal agevilation for biodiesel. Then there is Poland, where the problem is against green importation of of wheat and the low price of that that are competing with the economy. What is important is to understand which are the common reasons that all these country are protesting against. These are the high energy cost, I mean, after the illegal invasion of Ukraine made by Russia, energy is higher than ever. And then, of course, there are the profits. Profits are going lower and lower for the farmers. In the last year, 9% lower, and this is according to Eurostat, and for almost every product that agriculture is making. Only few, like olive oil is going up, but this is because the production is going down in general.
0: What about you, Luca?
3: Um, first of all, what could lead us to this point of crisis could be the inherent um, structural problem of repartition of value in agriculture. We can see, for example, in France that 20% of our agriculture live behind the line of poverty and that one agriculture try to, to kill himself every day and this is a big malaise in agriculture. Secondly, it's always interesting to point the internal dynamics by attacking the framing of one agriculture because we can see that there is in what we call agriculture, agribusiness and farmer and what we saw with the protests and the crisis. It's a scream of help of a part of agriculture who are not able to live from their own work.
0: Thank you guys for sharing your ideas and how and why farmers are angry with the government and uh, these protests have spread all over EU.
1: Yes I agree. So so what we can see at the moment as you already pointed out is is a lot of frustration in the end of the side of the farmers but also a lot of challenge which need to be set to put the agricultural policy in the right direction. Then something that has evolved in the course over the last years, particularly with the COVID pandemic, but also the illegal Russian invasion of Ukraine and its consequences for the food supply chains in Europe is that this outsourcing of food production outside of the EU brings also, as we have seen, great risks in in times of crisis. Then when our food supply chains break apart, food security in Europe is at risk. At the same time, agriculture accounts for 11% of the EU's greenhouse gases and it's indisputable also that we need to transform the agricultural industry into a more sustainable way if we want to reach our climate goals and also contribute to the fight against climate change, which affects farmers in their everyday work life too. I mean it can be like floods, droughts. I mean the farmers are already experiencing the impacts at the moment already and it's just gonna become more. And then you also have those free trade agreements like the one currently also in the news with the South American states, Mercosur, that protesters or also like the farmers claim that would allow cheap cheaper and less regulated food to enter the European market, which could undercut the European food crisis and and outcompete European farmers who have to deal with this much higher EU production standards. But also those free trade agreements serve at the same time as a key strategic interest for the EU. It helps them to forge new alliances, but also to tie other continents to the EU closer and it contributes to set a common and global standard. So, is it even possible to reconcile all these challenges and considerations? Or is the European pharma, in the end, the pawn sacrificed for greater strategic goals? Maybe let's start with you, Luca.
3: For me, reconciling the various challenges facing Europe agriculture will create a fundamental shift toward a more resilient and sustainable food system. I would say the farmer's concern is not so much about competition, but about unfair competition. So it's really a call for international work on sustainability to be a serious priority. Instead of how it was done in the Mercosur deal, where many of the sustainability provisions were actually added after the deal was negotiated through a joint declaration, just policy in this context involves moving away from intensive livestock, farming and monoculture crops to a world diversified, agroecological practices that are better adapt to climate change and prioritize the, the sustainable use of land. Taking care of climate mitigation and biodiversity with improving the already existing two agriculture files in the European Green Deal, the Naturalisation Law and the sustainable, sustainable use of pesticide regulation. So to answer the question, yes, it's possible, but it's require being clear about priorities and acknowledging that we are doing politics within physical boundaries.
1: All right. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, Filippo, what's, what's your take on it? Well, as well, I don't think we need to
2: sacrifice the farmers. Of course, uh, some strategic goals like reducing pollution will hit them. I mean, agriculture is a sector that is producing a lot and a lot of gas sera for that and their profits are already extremely low. But uh, everybody needs to do their part. Differentiate is the thing. Of course, just not the farmer have to do everything. Everybody has to take their part. With this protest uh, on the 6th, already the council decided to drop some uh, regulation on the agricultural sector and uh, increase even more the support for them in terms of money. The sector, in any case, need to change because too much are polluting and uh, in any way we, they, we need to change
1: that. Thanks a lot, Philippe. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering then when we look at those free trade agreements where you said we have on the one side of course this As you said like more regulation also coming from the European side as we have to all do, do our part to achieve the climate goals But I also mentioned before what we are gonna do with these free trade agreements because on the one side We said in Europe we have uh, more standards also for sustainable food production Which is right as we have to achieve this climate goals on the other side There's still the possibility of those free trade agreements which would allow other countries other farmers from different continents to import food lower standards so how can you help the european farmer with that
2: well european farmer will be hit for that but we can help them i mean European products will have a different quality, we can make them more profitable and uh, if, for example, sugar, which is way lower in South America, will come to Europe, we can start to produce European sugar, saying this is European sugar, it's higher in price, it's of different quality, it's of better quality maybe, and they can earn more from that. And in general, these deals are also a way to promote European strengths in terms of soft power outside of Europe. we need them. So we can't just uh, drop them in any case.
1: Yeah, so as we've seen, we have those really different challenges also when it comes to the agricultural policy but also to the challenges the farmers are facing nowadays. But, I mean, it's nice to say that we at least can conclude here, it's possible to reconcile these challenges, but that we have to keep an eye that we take everyone along on the way to manage those different levels of prices we have.
0: Well, I agree with you, Felix, and thanks to you guys for an- answering our question. Uh, we have a head of us a very big challenge in the agricultural policy, but that's something that we have to um, approach in a way that is more balanced. Coming back to the protests, also different national farmers organisations are joining forces and coming together all across Europe. There might be two ways of reading into the motivation and ideas behind their actions. Firstly, hitting the road with their tractors to Brussels might seem a stunt to generate attention and gain policy concessions. But couldn't it be also seen as a sign that European agricultural policy has made it into the public debate of ordinary people too. Then, in particular, we see populist parties and far-right parties claiming to be the last defender of farmers' interest in a sort of pan-European campaign, but also traditional parties aligning and executing joint pan-European campaigns such as the EPP Group's campaign against the Nature Restoration Law, reducing productive land for farmers to restore nature in the long run. We have seen now also the Commission reacting and offering concessions to all farmers' In what do you think about it, guys? Are we a step closer toward making our political debates and common challenges more European for the ordinary people, or are we moving in the opposite direction?
3: For me, if you are against a proposition in a system, for example, a directive or a law in uh, the EU level and if people from different countries are against it or have some claim for one institution on the EU level, even if it's against, in a way they make them European because they are standing together for something about the European level. But on the other end, like we can see very different claim from eastern country where it was a bit more about the competition with products of Ukraine, with Polish and the wet and other countries with chicken. And whereas in the in the West in France and Germany it was about energy taxation and gas for machine engine and this kind of concern. So it's very paradoxical situation that we can see it as anti-European, but uh, in a way it's a very European problem and we can solve it by a European solution too, maybe.
0: Do you think this will turn the debate uh, and make it uh, more European or not?
3: I think it will not in the current situation
0: Thank you, Luca, for sharing your point of view. What do you think, Filippo?
3: Well, in part, uh, yes, these
2: protests are pan-European. I mean, in every country we have seen uh, the people with the tractors in the streets. But the problem, in my opinion, is another one. As you said, these are exploited by the right-wing party. And the thing is that it's something that already happened. It happened in France with the gilets jaunes. It happened in Italy with the milk protest. And in both cases, they were exploited by the Rassemblement National of Le Pen and Lega of Salvini. And what they said, they marked the point that, yes, you are taking the streets, but it's because the institutions are so far away. So even if we've seen that uh, these protests are pan-European for the reason that uh, I said these people are still keep trying to bring them as something. The reasons why the institution are so far away and a thing is that people tend to generalize what they see. So if they see a uh, crazy demonstration, something really open like to see like people in the tractors throwing eggs to the parliament and doing barbecue in Place de Luxembourg in front of the parliament. They will just agree with their position because they see them as spectaculars and as something, yeah, like uh, the institution, yeah, we need to go there and see our power. And maybe they just ne- neither know their reasons why they are protesting and they just go with the crowds. This is, I mean, the base of populism.
0: Okay, thank you guys. Well. It is a complicated matter to discuss whether it is more uh, an European debate or it depends more on each state. But thank you for uh, sharing your opinion with us.
1: Yeah, and thank you also for, from my side. Uh, there's so much more so that we can talk about uh, agricultural policy, but unfortunately we have reached the end of this episode.
0: Before we end, we would like to express a very special thanks to our two guests, Filippo and Luca, for joining us today to discuss this very interesting but challenging topic. I also want to thank you all for listening to one more episode Episode of Talking with EU, the Student's Point of View. Until next time.
1: This podcast was sponsored
2: by the Institut d'études européennes of the Université Libre de Bruxelles, which we thank for the opportunity of this space.